0: God is so good. Will you give it up for our God? He is in this place. I can't feel it. Can you feel His presence? Come on! I know that He's doing something. We're just getting started, and God is doing something. Will you give it up for our worship team? Woo! Isn't this? I love this worship team. You might know why. Now my family, I love them. Hi. Some people used to think that Alex and Kat were my. My kids too, so all my family here. Guys, thank you so much for being here this morning, for being here on a Sunday morning. I'm excited to be with you. I'm a little scared to be with you this morning, but we're gonna, we're gonna have so much fun today and God is gonna speak to us. I'm so thankful that I didn't get to preach last week. And, <laughs> huh? Aww. I'm so thankful for that guy, my boyfriend was my husband, because then people ask, aren't they married? Yeah, we're married, but, but it's also my boyfriend. Okay, let's move on. I'm so thankful that last I didn't get to preach last week in the book of Judges, because, come on, who wants to preach in the book of Judges? Will you give it up for Pastor Ricky. He did an amazing job. Yes, yes, thank you. We're so thankful for our leadership, for our church. And so last week, it was crazy, tough, dark times. We were seeing how the people like a, cycle or a roller coaster like people just turning away from God and sinning and then all this mess will happen because God will turn away from them and they will they repent and then God will come back and they will do it all over again isn't it like it sounds kind of like our life sometimes but well thankfully we're moving on to a beautiful book it's the book of Ruth. And it's gonna feel kind of like going from a stormy day to go to a peaceful morning, a peaceful day. Although I need to tell you something, this book is a beautiful love story, but it is mainly about the story of a daughter-in-law and her mother-in-law. So depending on how your relationship is with your mother-in-law, this might still feel like a little stormy or I don't know if it's gonna be peaceful, but like if a mother-in-law is here, just blink twice if you feel unsafe. We're going to have a security team just watching over you. We want everybody to be safe and sound this morning. And now, well, I have a beautiful mother-in-law. Hi, mother-in-law, if you're me. She is truly my mom, and she's just the most beautiful mother-in-law. I hope the same for all of you. But since I don't know what's going on, it seems like a good moment to pray. Will you pray with me? It's just thank God for his presence in this place. God, we thank you for your presence today. We thank you for everything you do, for everything you've been doing, for everything you're gonna do. We want to just receive your message, God. Please just speak whatever you want to speak to your people, God. Just help us understand, prepare our hearts to receive your word. And I ask you for, if there's someone here who came with a broken heart, who came feeling sad or anxious or depressed, God, if they're going through a tough time, if they have a hard relationship and their family got something that's going on, that you will bless them, God, that you will show them that you are there with them, that they're not alone, that you can do something. That you are willing to do something and they just willing to say yes to you. A thank you in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Come on, come on. This is going to be a good day. So after, whoo, get it for God now. After the book of Judges with the big battles, we were seeing an overview. You know, it's kind of we're looking at the whole Israel people and everything that they're doing but today we're gonna zoom in into the lives of ordinary people and we're gonna get to see you know how their normal life is going like ups and downs you have your overview you have things in your notes if you see a lot of pink isn't that my fault it's like Pastor Rick approved the notes with a lot of pink and I don't know what to tell you if my Bible's here but anyways if you need if you need a copy of those we have them, and this is my Bible.io. You can get a copy of all of them so we can move on together and just understand what God is talking to us along. This is my Bible. So, we're going to get to zoom in today into the stories of these people ordinary people who goes through ups and downs like we do through affliction, through sorrow, through problems and challenges, and how God turns their stories into something amazing and extraordinary. So, This book used to be part of the book of Judges, so most likely was written by the prophet Samuel. You have all this in your notes over there. And so it's the eighth book of your Bible, it's part of the Old Testament, and it's considered a history book. So it is a beautiful book, a beautiful love story, but it's also fully charged of theological content, and it's only four chapters where you're gonna see how God is using them just to show us his plan of redemption. We see conversion, we see loyalty, we see kindness, and we see God's providence. And this is really important because we come from some books when we've seen mighty displays, and loud displays of God's power. But in this book, it's gonna be a little quieter. And sometimes our lives feel like that. We want to see, I mean, we've been seeing, you know, the Red Sea and the Jordan River opening and the walls of Jericho and manna from heaven and all these amazing things that we want to experience. But what we get to experience every day is God's providence, is God doing something? Without us even noticing sometimes. But he has a plan to work things for you. To work things out for good of those who love God. Come on. And we're going to get to see how God takes care of every single detail of our stories. So let's dive in. Let's go to Ruth chapter 1. We you have your Bibles. Who has your Bibles over there? It's right after Judges. Right after it's really, really dark time. So we're going to read Ruth 1, chapter 1, Ruth chapter 1, verse 1. And it says, are you ready? We're ready? We're there? In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. Now, later on, the next chapter we're, we get to know who is the wife and and the man that's going there. It's giving us some historical content. It's happening within the time of judges, within the crazy time of the judges, right? So there's a famine in the land. So we don't read here exactly what period it is, but like if you look back and you see the book of judges, we think that it might be during the period of Gideon and Jer, and because the people was oppressed, because they would turn away from God, so they were oppressed, and like they would just go and destroy all their food and all their fields, and so they wouldn't have anything to eat or anything to survive. So you know, God warned Israel that if they will walk away from Him, they they weren't gonna they weren't gonna have any protection or any, you know, favor. And so it is not just. About what was happening physically, but about what was happening spiritually in this time. So we see here a family, which is Elimelech, is the husband, and then we see Naomi and her two sons. They are leaving Bethlehem and they're moving to Moab. Moab is the land, oh, this this is this place that results, If you remember in Exodus. Lot and his daughters, and I don't want to go through it, but this is the result of that encounter. And so they've been enemies, and they've been looked down by, by the people of Israel for so long. So they are leaving Bethlehem. Now, funny, Bethlehem means house of bread. So they're leaving the house of bread. go to Moab this house of bread is uh, is part of the promised land so you might think well shouldn't it be flowing with milk and honey and be all beautiful yes but they made a choice to walk away from God so the house of bread is out of bread there's uh, no food so this man is facing a choice and what's the big deal here like what, what I mean Wouldn't you, like, if there's no food for your family, we're probably like, oh, well, I'm going to move. I'm going to do something. But the people of Israel were supposed, like, God commanded them to stay there. They, They were supposed to remain in the land because it was part of their call to be faithful, to trust God. So this wasn't just about a physical location, but it was about being with God and trusting his provision and protection. So we see here that Elimelech is faced with a choice to leave or to stay. And you know, it's not about the food or what's gonna happen, but it's about where his heart is at. Because trusting God is tough, especially if your fridge is empty, you know, and your kids are hungry. It's really hard to trust that he's gonna do what he says that he's gonna do, that he's gonna provide. And then we see a In the book of Judges, people were supposed to turn to God, and then God will help them, right? So if you submit into his life, he was supposed to turn to God in humbleness and just obedience and say, God, help me. I am here for you. I want to follow you. I want to trust you. But he was afraid. And he made this choice out of fear and not out of faith. He went to Moab, and and he went. He doesn't he he doesn't just go. We made mistakes, right? He didn't didn't just pass through Moab. He settled down there with his family. So he's building a life in a place that is away from God's promises. That is not the promised land. And I don't know what's pulling you away from God's promises and from God's purpose in your life, but I'm gonna tell you now it's not worth it to just conform with the mediocrity of Moab and the mediocrity of your own strength. Just rely on God and be waiting in his faithfulness. Just make your decisions out of faith and not out of fear. God has a plan for you. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and tell him, God has a plan for you. Come on. Now the other one that you don't like that much and tell him, God has a plan for you. Yes, God has a plan for you, even if we can see it, even if we can feel it like right away. But, okay, this family moved as a prodigal family. They stayed in Moab for around 10 years. Then Elimelech, the husband, he dies. And then his sons, they married Moabite women, right? So you know that they were supposed to marry like the, the people from Israel, so he's marrying someone over there in that land. Then his two sons died. That leaves us with three widows that are facing challenges. They're facing grief. They're facing uncertainty because like being a widow in those times was really, really hard. Why don't you, why don't you read with me? Uh, let's go to Ruth chapter 1, verse 6. It says, Then... Oh, are we there? Are we all there? Okay, let's go. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab. That's Naomi. For she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and food. Now this is interesting because this is the first time we read something about God in this book. And you know, all this, was happening, the famine and everything, because they turned away from God. So this, whim, this woman, in, in her affliction, he's re, like, he's remembering her God, and he's saying like, you know, I'm gonna come back. And you know, when, when we're afflicted, it's usually when we get convicted to walk towards God. And you know what? He's not surprised by it. He's not mad by it. He's just ready to receive you and to embrace you. So we see Naomi going in her way over there, but at She's still mad at God. She's still not feeling it, but she's still, you know, I'm still gonna walk towards you. And something happens here, because in the middle of the way, she's like, oh boy, okay, so there's no hope for me in this, in this land. What's gonna happen with my daughters-in-law? They're, they're Moabites, you know, I don't have any sons, and we see, I'm not gonna go through this verse, through long, but if you will follow along with me, it's Ruth 1:12 to 13. And she's telling her daughters, turn back, my daughters. I'm too old to have a husband. And if, you sh- if I should have a husband this night and I should bear sons, will you therefore wait till they're grown? Will you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter for me, for your sake, that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. She's telling me, why is she telling me she's not able to have more sons? And if they're gonna wait, there's a thing called the levirate marriage, and it was part of the law. So if um, someone will die and they have no sons, the brother-in-law should marry the widow. So the person will have the the deceased man will have an heir. They could redeem their land. They could have continue the family land line. And the firstborn of this marriage will be the son will be considered the son of the late husband so being a widow being a widow i feel like it will be just i don't even want to think about it i love you baby i don't want to think about it it's hard any time of like whenever whatever you can't think about it but like in those times it was especially hard you know they, they they weren't able to just get a job and like keep moving on or there there weren't like any welfare programs or anything that will assist them now, Naomi is, a, is, is an older lady, so it's worse for her. But then if you think about her daughters-in-law, they're Moabite. They're going to be locked down and, and when they get to Bethlehem. They're going to have way less possibilities to just rebuild their life. So she's asking them, you know, just go back to your house, go back to your gods, go back to your old way of life, and just you have your better chances to make it over there. Because going here is going to mean that you're going to be poor and marginalized and just look down and they might even end up working as prostitutes or like living out of charity because it was the only thing they could do. There was no hope and, and there's two daughters-in-law, one's named Orpha and the other one's named Ruth. You know, and Orpha, that's what I would probably say, well, you know, I love your mother-in-law and like, but I'm, I'm just gonna go back to my house because like I'm not gonna make it, you know? It's like, it's not easy. So she kissed her goodbye and, and she comes back to her people. She comes back to her gods. And this is the last time we hear about Orpha. She faded in the background. We know no, nothing else about her. And then the Bible says that Ruth clung to Naomi. Naomi sees that Ruth wants to go with her, and she's like, no, 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 no. Look at what your sister did. Like, she came back to her family. Do the same thing. And Ruth says, and we're going to go to verse 16 of chapter 1. You probably know this. My memory is a pretty famous and beautiful verse. And it says, but Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that? I, I think they use it a lot for weddings and stuff. It's just, uh, just loyalty right there. You see how kind and how beautiful is her heart. But it's not just about that. This is a moment of conversion. You know, for what I see. Naomi's telling them, just go back to your gods, go back to this, the Lord is not, the Lord's hand is like not upon me right now. So they might know about God. You know, they might know who God is, but it's not the same to know about God as it is to follow God. And in this moment... Orpha decided out of fear just to come back to her old way of life and worship her gods and just we don't hear about her anymore. And her story could have been extraordinary, but she just she says, like, you know, I'm gonna keep it safe and I'm gonna go back. Then instead of waiting in faith like Ruth did, she was conscious of all the challenges that it was going to take, everything that was going to happen. But she says, you know what? I'm going to follow God, and I'm going to follow you. And I love this because, you know, we might be in that situation. Our lives, we we face that kind of challenges and that kind of decisions every day. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a career move. Maybe it's just a step of faith. It's something that has been lingering over there. It's How are you making your decisions? That's the question. Are you making your decisions out of faith? Or are you making your decisions out of fear? You know, if you're settling for the past, if you're settling to leave away from the promise, what's the purpose then? God didn't give you a spirit of fear. So trust him. Let faith be the one who's driving you towards God. Because you can miss the beautiful story, the beautiful plan that God has for you. Because on the other side of fear is where the extraordinary things are gonna happen. Come on, are we awake? God is gonna do something amazing. God is gonna do something amazing in your life, even if it doesn't look like it right now. So. Ruth convinced Naomi they started walking to Bethlehem then they get to Bethlehem and everyone's like oh my gosh isn't that Naomi do you remember Naomi she's been out for like 10 years and then she was in Moab of course they want to know what happened they want to know the tea so the women are like isn't that Naomi and Naomi's like don't call me Naomi don't call me Naomi call me Mara now you need to know Naomi her name means pleasant And Mara means bitter. How sad can she be? How much is she grieving in this moment that she's like, don't you dare call me that. Call me Mara. Because the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me. You know, she's really, really afflicted. And, and, and if you see, this is, this is actually the second or third time when she's blaming God for her misfortune, for what's happening to her. And we've all gone through that, you know. But at the same time, she understands that God, the God of Israel is her only hope. You know, even though she feels that way, she feels left alone, she feels sad, she knows that God is her only hope. And so she decided, even though she's feeling that way, even though she's feeling mad or afflicted or abandoned, she's deciding to walk towards God and trust in the the God of Israel. And this is beautiful. They get to Bethlehem at the time of the beginning of the time of the harvest, which is actually a time of celebration. And you know, if you see the contrast because they're grieving right now, but like they get there at this moment, they happen to get there at the beginning of the harvest. And then we move on to chapter two, when we meet Prince Charming, which is was and was happened to be a relative of Naomi's late husband, Elimelech. He's a wealthy man, a land owner, he will eventually become Ruth's husband and her rescuer or kinsman redeemer. So if you never heard about this term, kinsman redeemer, it's a person. You know, I was telling you about leverage marriage and the brother-in-law was supposed to to marry um, the widow, right? If there's no brother-in-law, there's going to be a relative. The closer relative that they have at this point could be, it's a, it's a right, but it's um, also kind of like, something that that is a custom to redeem their land, to redeem their freedom in case someone was sold on slave for slavery because they had a debt or something, they'll redeem and they'll pay their debt to buy their freedom. They'll also part of it it was marrying the widow and just continuing the bloodline and provide for them and take care of them. So you know, we have ultimate redeemer. We have our kinsman redeemer, and that's Jesus because he sacrificed himself to pay your debt and to give us freedom and to restore us to the family of God. So this, if there's something that we need to remember from today is that God is our redeemer and he's just there waiting for us. Come on. In those days, whew, God is good. God is good. In those days, you know, the life of widow was really tough. They couldn't make a living. They couldn't get a job easily. So there was other thing that's called. Um, they were able to go gleaning after the harvesters, and whatever was left on the floor, or on the sides, they could they could just get it so they could survive. So it was a kind of a God's welfare program to help the poor and like the immigrants and and the widows and but there's something that they need to work so they could keep their dignity they're not just getting charity but they're going and doing the work so Ruth was ready to work and she's ready to go and just do this so she asks Naomi can I please go can I please just go and clean and in the field and Naomi says okay yeah go right so and Let's go to chapter 2, verse 3. And I want you to pay attention to this. So she set out, verse 3. Hmm. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come, wait, wait. She happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Voz, who was the clan, from the uh, clan of Elimelech. So she happened, of all the farmers and all the fields, she happened to come to that part of the field that belonged to Voss. Is it a coincidence? Is it a God-incidence? I see that God is doing something. God is doing something. He has a plan in his hands, and we see all this beautiful love story. But what God says is is that he can see the whole picture, and he's weaving something for these people. And not only for these people, but he's also taking steps to advance his plan of redemption for all of us. For Gentiles, as Ruth and for the jewish and it's beautiful it's beautiful to see that god is at work and he is doing something for you so whenever you step for something it's like oh that's good what a coincidence it was amazing it's not a coincidence it's god working for your own good because he loves you so much so ruth gleaning the fields and when she happened to meet boss. He is so happy for what she's done for her mother-in-law. People knows about this and how she's been loyal. So he offers, you know, just glean over here. He offers, uh, offers provision and then he says, you know, I told my young men not to touch you because assault was like a risk that she had by working in the field. So he offers protection. He offers an extra portion. He, kind of talk to her people to just to have extra food so she can take. And she gets his favor. I love this because Buzz is, you know, it's just showing us how God works with us. She wasn't looking for it, but he wants to offer it out of his grace. And then she comes back to Naomi, they're talking, it's like, oh, where were you working today? You have a lot of food, this is good. And so she says, oh, you know, like I, I was working for this guy called Voice. And she's like, oh my gosh, this is our, this is our King's Redeemer, this is our relative. How amazing, How, what a coincidence, right? So time passed, she kept working really hard. And then we get to the end of the harvest and Naomi has a plan. Chapter three, move, let's move on to chapter three because this is getting, about to get interesting. Naomi has a plan. She says to Ruth, am I not supposed to seek what's best for you, my daughter? Isn't Boaz a relative? Since it was the end of the harvest, you know the people will sleep at the trash and floor just taking care of their crops. And then Naomi said to Ruth, Maybe Ruth, go take a bath, put in some perfume, get out of your widow clothes, and wait until he's done eating and drinking. Let's read Ruth 3, verse Verse 4. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies, then go and uncover his feet and lie down and he will tell you what to do. Go and uncover his feet. That's kind of weird. I don't think if I'll do it. But then Ruth is like, okay, Mother in I trust you, I'm going to do what you're telling me to do. Now, this might sound weird for us, but it's a custom in, in those times. And she's uncovering his feet so he could get cold during the night and wake up because she wasn't able to approach him in between all the people and just say, hey, notice me, I need to talk to you. So... He, he wakes up and he's surprised, like, oh, who are you? And she's like, oh, I'm Ruth, I'm your servant, I'm here. And then she says, spread your wings over your servant, for you are our redeemer. Wow. Isn't this beautiful? You see, the, it's, it's the way that God spreads his wings over us, and he gives us refuge, and he redeems us. But this is also a marriage proposal. Ah. So she's saying, will you marry me? Because you are my redeemer. And like, will you spread your wings and take care of me? Okay, girls, especially my girls from the youth, I don't want you to go and propose to anybody. But let's just see what's going on here. Okay. So this is a really good pen. And he replied, may you blessed by the Lord? He said, everything, everybody knows that you're a worthy woman. And he said, yes. And he said, do not fear, for I'll do as you ask. But there's a problem, because there's someone else that's a closer, like, relative, you know? Maybe there was, like, a second cousin, and there was, like, a first cousin, whatever it is. It was normal in those days. But, like, there's someone else, so he says, boy, I'm going to go talk to him, and if if he wants to redeem you, then good, he can redeem you, but if not, I will do it, right? So he goes, talks to him, the other guy is like... Of course, I'll redeem the land because like he wants more land for his, for his um, sons and everything. But then he realizes that redeeming the land also means marrying Ruth, which is a Moabite. And he's like, okay, you know, what? I'm going to pass. So you redeemer, you redeem, do everything. So we get to our happily ever after. Woohoo! Are we happy? There's a happily ever after, guys. So Boaz redeemed Elimelech's land. He marries Ruth, and God blesses them with Obed who happens to be the grandfather of King David. Wow, this is beautiful. Let's go into the lives of these people and how God turns them into extraordinary. Let's just, we talk about this, but let's just go back a little bit. So we see, and you have in your notes, Naomi, and she goes, she doesn't go, God takes her from bitterness to restoration. When Ovid was born, it wasn't really like her blood like, you know, grandchild, but she was so excited. She was like, you know, God is blessing me. And the, the women that were like first excited and saying, Oh, is that Naomi. So they're, they're saying here, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be your restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you is more to you than seven sons. You know, I think... It's so beautiful just to see how Naomi is going for all this sorrow and all this bitterness. She's also asking to be called Mara because she can't stand to be called pleasant because she is suffering and God is changing everything for her good. She was blaming God, but God was getting ready just to embrace her, to receive her. And then she realizes that he is her only hope and she keeps walking even though she doesn't feel like it. She decided to return to God. Naomi decided to return to the promised land and trust God. Even when things are really hard or really sad, putting our trust in God can, think, can turn things around. You know, her sorrow was transformed and hope again in her bitterness to an extraordinary story of restoration. And she becomes the grandmother through Ruth and Voice, union and her joy is restored. Ruth, from foreigner to the lineage of David. And I see, God was showing me that what we saw is indeed what we harvest. You know, when, when, when she found favor uh, with Voice, um the Bible says in verse 10, chapter 2, it says, Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes, that you should take notice of me, since I'm a foreigner? She was a Moabite, and now she's part of God's Family. God's plan has always included the Gentiles. God's plan has always included you and me. Ruth's loyalty and faithfulness caught the eye of Boaz, but she also caught the eye of God who was showing her favor through him. Boaz blesses her saying, The Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward is given to you by the Lord God of Israel under whose wings you have come to take refuge. We are called to love God, right? And that's what she was doing by following God in these times of uncertainty, of pain and feeling hopeless. But we're also called to love others. And she's being loyal to her mother-in-law. She's taking care of her. So God is letting her harvest out of that loyalty and kindness of her heart. You know, we see God acting like doing something through his providence. And he transformed this sad moment in the life of this ordinary Moabite into something amazing and he allows her to be part of the lineage of the genealogy of David but also the genealogy of Jesus what a beautiful story and all this happened through voice who's a landowner to foreshadow of Jesus you know he's a wealthy landowner he is half gentile maybe you don't know this detail Boys, is actually the son of Rahab. Do you remember Rahab, the prostitute of Jericho? That's Boss, mom. So he is a true fruit of redemption, and he is giving redemption. You know, when we're blessed, we we need to share those blessings, and that's what he's doing. He's an example of kindness, and he becomes a foreshadowing of a greater love to come, which is our ultimate redeemer, Jesus. Jesus, who willingly paid a debt that wasn't his, like voice did, to get to us, to embrace his gentle bride. And it's just so beautiful that even though Obed wasn't supposed to be Marcus, his lineage or his genealogy, God favors him by including him in the genealogy of King David. He mentions his name over there. And it's beautiful, beautiful what God can do when you stay with him. Now, you see a difference? Elimelech walked away when things were getting tough. He walked away from the promised land. And, boys, he decided to stay. And God bless him. God bless him because he decided to trust him in the times of trial in the times of famine. So where are you right now? What's going on in your life? Maybe you're in the middle of a trial. Maybe you're in the middle of a famine. It feels like, what am I gonna do for me, for my family? Learn from both and stay with God. Stay with God. Maybe, maybe you're feeling like Naomi and you're in deep sorrow and you're suffering right now. You know, and you walked away from God. God is not surprised by you walking away. He wants you back return to God like she did return to God like she did maybe you are right now feeling hopeless and uncertain about your future you don't know what's to come you don't know how things are gonna go you don't know situations may look so difficult you know but you need to decide to follow God like Ruth did she turned to God and she started walking towards him because in him we can find restoration in him we can find hope no matter no matter where you've come from Ruth was a Moabite no matter where you've been from no matter where you come from no matter where you've been God wants to do something amazing extraordinary with your life no matter what you've done no hope and a future and even when we can not see him like in the red sea or loud miracles he's doing something right here he's doing something in your heart so today today is a good moment to turn to God today is a good moment to return to God and to commit your life to him again because he's your only hope today is